morning. Uh, thank you, Holly. Oh, Holly already said that I, Sheila, would be up here in a little bit, and it was in your bulletin and the email, but I realize there are new faces here. Like, some of you know who I am, and uh, but not everyone. So I just want to say that I have been going to church here for seven years and was on staff for five years doing children's ministry. And then during COVID, pivoted to uh, kind of be the point person for congregational care. And then about a year ago, I resigned from that staff role uh, because of some health and personal issues that I had to take care of. And so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling great though, and I'm back and I'm so glad to be back with you. Yeah. <laughs> I have really, really missed you. And I'm super glad to be invited to talk this morning because um, I really also missed communion. That was probably the hardest thing for me outside of the relationships is the ritual of communion. And I'm just thrilled to be taking it again. Uh, and it was maybe a little bit misleading when I talked to Jen and Bianca about what I was going to talk about. It is scripture that takes place in the context of the institution of the Eucharist of communion, but it's not actually about like the bread and the wine that I'm going to lead you through uh, this reflection. And so with that, I will read the scripture and then you'll be on to me. So our scripture this morning is taken from John 13, 1 through 4, and then skipping a bit and going on with 12 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done. <clears throat> Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Please play with me. <clears throat> Lord, as we enter into a time of reflection now, guide our hearts and minds and help us to be responsive to the presence of your Holy Spirit and, the, and to be open 
to the impressions that you might make on us. Be a, we especially ask you to help us drop the protective walls around our hearts in your presence, knowing that you are safe and that you are for us and want to engage us in ever deeper ways. Amen. So there's lots of themes around communion. I mean, it's it's, the, it's right in the middle of the whole like crucifixion, resurrection story, which is, I think, the most complex and rich story ever in the world. So, uh, there's, so there's so many themes, but I, I've honed in on three things this morning that I want to invite you to consider. And one of them uh, is the fact that Jesus desired to be together with those that he loved, especially in a dark and troubling time. The other is that his expression of love during this time was intimate and embodied. And three, he requests or, well, he actually kind of demands, but I'll say he invites, if you will, his followers to show love in the same way, in that same embodied and intimate way. So those are our three, the three things that I want us to spend our time reflecting on today. And the way this is going to work, it's kind of a conglomeration of Lectio Divino, which is reading the scripture repeatedly um, and letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through that. And, uh, but it's also a combination of imaginative prayer, placing yourself in that. And also, uh, for those of you who might not be familiar or all that comfortable with those um, spiritual practices, I'm going to do also some application prompts as I read the scripture that, um, like, I might, uh, well, I will uh, ask you a few questions as we go through it. And as you just heard, it's kind of a long scripture, so I'm going to divide it into three sections. And I'll read each section twice with the prompt in between them. And then I will pause and give you what might seem to some of you like a long time to sit and think. It really is only two or three minutes, but it might feel like a long time. And I want to encourage, uh, for some people, taking notes is helpful. So there's little pencils, I think, right? Little pencils and your bulletin if you want to take notes. Um, if I were in a smaller group, I'd say, are there any questions now? But I don't think that really works very well here. So uh, sorry if you have questions and they weren't answered. Um, so before we start, I'd like you to think about your body right now and how it's sitting in the chair and where your feet are. And I'd like for you to just try to establish a comfortable position that is, the goal would be to not be distracted by your body. So go ahead and do that. And you might even want to like scrunch your neck muscles up and relax them a little bit if you notice any tension in your body. Oh, wow, everybody's got a lot of tension. That's interesting. Um, and then also, uh, I think it helps to take a nice deep inhale and exhale. And then I will read the first part of this scripture. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kind of guide you as we go along. And um, I got my phone here to time us, so, and I got my script, so I normally go, I'm a little long-winded, but I think we're safe today. All right. 
It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. These were really challenging and disorienting days in the lives of the disciples. And as this meal takes place, the disciples were keenly aware of the dangers that faced them and Jesus. They were anxious about their future together. In spite of the risks, the anxiety, and the uncertainty, Jesus gathers this little beloved flock together. As you hear this scripture, can you relate to this time of disorientation? Do you feel that you maybe are part of a community that is facing tough times, is fragile, or may even disintegrate? There are two statements here about Jesus. First, his deep love for his community. And second, his certainty of his power rooted in his secure attachment to his father. Might knowing these things be of some help to us now? And the scripture again. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And now we'll have a little time of silence or music. Thank you. 
Continuing with our scripture. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Jesus had much to say during his ministry. He was always talking and teaching and preaching in hopes of communicating the values of the kingdom of God. He longed to correct people's perception about his father and to convince his followers to live in a new way with one another. But in these last hours, he merely stops talking and only demonstrates his love. What does this intimate and tender demonstration of love tell you about the way that Jesus is? And how do you, or might you, receive this kind of expression of love from Jesus? And our scripture again. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. We'll pause again now.
And now the last part of our scripture. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you have a role as a teacher or mentor or some kind of authority? Or are you in a relationship with a mutual and reciprocal understanding of shared power and care? How do you feel about showing this kind of humble servant love? Is it too embarrassing? Is it uncomfortable? Or does it feel good and right to you? Does it depend on who's on the receiving end? And if you practice this kind of love, what might the blessing that Jesus promises look like in your life? I'll read the scripture again. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Pause again.
you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this holy story and your Holy Spirit that brings these stories to life in our minds and hearts. We receive today in this quiet with you what we discovered about ourselves, about you, and perhaps even our community. And we ask you to continue to speak to us, affirming your desire to be with us and your love for us and your help as we seek to love one another. In Christ's name, amen. So if you, after you give it a little thought, want to talk to somebody about what you experienced this morning, I would encourage you to do that right after church. And a really good place to do it is at Camp Colvos at lunch. And I'll be there, and I would love to uh, hear anything you have to say. So that's, um, that's, a, that's a great opportunity for us. Um, and now we're going to take communion here in a few minutes. And you might notice that there's a table in front of the uh, table with the communion elements on it. And there's an arrangement uh, there that is just made from ordinary objects found in nature, like this morning. And it is incomplete, and it needs your unique contribution. So as, a, as an additional spiritual practice this morning, I want to invite you to, to do something. Um, each of us has unique thoughts and concerns and hopes and fears and longings and griefs and desires. And when we take time to reflect, like we did this morning, some of that usually bubbles up, and we sometimes might even be surprised by what's in us. So as you come forward to take communion today, I invite you to pause at the cart that's in the middle of the aisle there and choose an object that in some way expresses something of what is uniquely going on in you now. It could be that a smooth rock represents your sense of solid peace or a broken shell represents how shattered life feels to you right now or maybe a feather expresses how much you'd like to fly away somewhere right now. You get the gist. Um, so as you move forward to receive communion, place your object on the table among the others. That arrangement symbolizes our togetherness. So just go ahead and nestle your object right in there so it's part of the whole. You and your object belong here. So snuggle up to the other objects, okay? I'm guessing that it will look pretty messy, but it'll also be beautiful like us.